Hello there, everyone, and welcome to episode six. This will be the third part of the Alien Intelligence uh, trilogy. So, if you remember from the last episode, uh, near the end of that, I had kind of finished up telling one of my stories from the month of March, and I had started to look at the symbolism a little bit with that story, and um, I want to continue to look at the symbolism a little bit more. I'm, so I'm giving I'm giving you my outline here for this episode, this third or this third part of the series. So, so what I want to try to cover today, I want to finish up the aliens because. I'm getting a little burnt out on them, and I'm sure you guys are too. So I want to finish that up, uh, move on to some other stuff, and then you know probably do another another series of alien episodes, maybe another trilogy in the future, uh, focusing around some of the blog posts I've done. Um, so. So to wrap up in this episode, what I want to cover is I want to get a little more into the symbolism of that one story. I want to tell a couple of the other stories, and then I want to and then I want to look at the symbolism of those other stories as well. And then also, I always try to leave room for random stuff that'll pop up along the way, um, and. Um, so that's what I'm looking to get done here today. And um, one of the th one of the things I wanted to start talking about in this in this episode before before I get back into the aliens is that there's there's um well, so I'm the reason um, the reason I'm gonna bring stuff up like this is I'm usually only gonna bring up stuff that seems unrelated because I'm either gonna I'm I've already either brought it up and talked about it and it's related or I'm gonna bring it up in the future. So while it, not, it might not seem to be uh, I'm talking about aliens here, but this is a, this is an important um, concept, I think, because I had brought up a little bit with talking about uh, our ideas of personhood and um, the whole story with Christ and how he had uh, multiple personalities. Um, all at the same time and what and the effect of that was a big dramatic story that um, it served a lot of purposes and um, so and one of the other things I've been talking about a lot recently too is emotions and how people how our how our society our current society or civilization likes to um, kind of downplay um emotions or give them a lesser position and in, in whatever hierarchy so p 
people are real focused on intellectual, logical, rational understanding of the world, but there's also an emotional understanding as well, an intuitive understanding that's just as important. Um, you and that and that's why that's why I've been trying to bring up several several angles and ways to look at things and stories. Um, you know, emotional understanding, intellectual understanding, symbolic understanding, and within the and within each of those, you can have many different ways to look at the symbolism. So, when um, <clears throat> so when you're talking about drama and its purposes, um, and what it can do, you know. You go, you get if you, if you look back all the way back into the um, the myths of old, the religions of old. You had um, famous storytellers, uh, you know Homer, and it's it's just the history of the history of humans is filled with stories, and um, I think it's important to understand the. Um, not just that drama is drama and emotions and intuition. Not just that they're important, but um, I want I want to try to give a little bit into the mechanics of how drama works. Um, just like I've tried to, just like I've tried to give a little bit of the of the mechanics behind how I talked about a little bit with sports and how I play golf and the mechanics of um, some of the uh, the the mental approach to that, I I think I'd also mentioned I was going to get into a little bit of uh, the mechanics of poker. So these and and so these are just the mechanics as I understand them. Um, you know maybe it'll help someone else. Uh, but from so what I can tell you about drama because I did I did spend a few years. Uh, writing screenplays, learning how to write screenplays, how to create stories that are um, resonate and people connect with, and so there, there, there is, there does appear to be structure or um, certain principles, like I said, mental laws, and so if you want to take that and a little bit further and relate it to our stories. We can try to look. We can try to look at the structure and see what's there. And um, <clears throat> so, the the structure of so if you so as a an example that's right in our minds, the way that I'm structuring these episodes. So. Um, so this is part three of the alien intelligence, and so this is the this is a little trilogy. And you know, I said I said I wanted to come back to aliens, and I kind of have a trilogy of um, blog posts um, that I want to get back to. So I I might make that a separate tr trilogy, but this concept of a trilogy is how. So how a lot of people learn to understand uh, 
drama. And I talk and I and I did talk about this already a little bit in the second episode with my uh, the story of my eyesight and how it healed my miraculous healing. And I while I was telling the story, I kind of kind of dropped hints that there were three parts to the story: a, a beginning, a middle, and an end. And so this is kind of the structure that drama takes. There's they t- they talk about okay um you're gonna have to really bear with me because I'm a terrible drawer but I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try to give a visual of um, how let's see okay so oops all right so you have a line a fairly straight line and so you have three parts you have right you have beginning a mill and an end so this will be the this will be the beginning uh, oops beginning all right this is terrible uh, let me let me start over with this okay um okay so I'm gonna try to I'm going to try to show this in Photoshop instead of MS Paint because I have a little more familiarity with this program. But anyway, so there's so there's these three parts. You got a beginning, a middle, and an end. Um, and how um, and how a lot of this works is so you might even see a lot of people complaining about how modern movies are real formulaic well um there's a reason there's a reason why because and so this is a little bit of the formula that's used and a lot of this formula comes from this book i was i was spotlighting a second ago this hero's journey joseph campbell and so he he uh he he did a lot of studying into myths and archetypes, and uh, a, a lot of the same stuff that uh, Carl Jung um, um, uh, delved into. So there's a lot of he gets into a lot of um, myths and mystical understanding, magical understanding. And so this is one of the good books I haven't put up on my website yet. And um, and then this same principle, this three this three act structure, it's also um, it's used all the time in Hollywood, Hollywood movies. Um, it's used in politics because you've got. Uh, I don't know if people are familiar with, uh, well, here's another good book that I haven't put up yet, The Shock Doctrine. Um, But what, so what, a lot of the, a lot of what they talk about in this book is this, is this thing called Problem Reaction Solution. David Icke talks about this as well. Um. A lot of people talk about this this three act, uh, how things get done. So, and this so this problem reaction solution. This is a three act structure, 
And so what you have, you have the hero's journey. You have the problem, the reaction, and then the solution. And so that's one way to look at it. How, how Joseph Campbell liked to look at it was there was, so there's, um, how do I get, so you got like, So, oops, no. Said this. Anyways, at the so at the beginning, there's a few. There's the beginning is very important for for any story, because um, that's how you hook people in to tell them the rest of the story. And so, the bigger the problem. Or the more people that can identify with that problem, um, the better chance you have of, of getting um, getting their attention for the rest. It can become a problem though too when um, the problem is is too generic. Like it might apply to everyone, but it's 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 just not deep or interesting enough. So there's a lot of little techniques in the beginning to hook readers in. There's um, they have something called a save the cat moment where they usually, well, at the very beginning, a lot of times they'll use a mystery to draw you in. Like the, like even before, oops. So even before the beginning, before the beginning starts, they'll, sometimes they'll take a piece, a piece from the beginning, the middle end and put it there. And so you're like, you're interested. It's a mystery. Well, how did they end up in that situation? So there's the mystery, and then a lot of times there's a save the like I said a save the cat moment where the um, the author or the storyteller tries to get you to identify and sympathize with the character, the hero. Um, so you have the save the cat, and then so they get you to identify with the hero, and then usually. Usually about that's they try to establish that right away a mystery and identification within probably you know first few minutes five minutes and then what happens around 10 50 minutes in they have something called an inciting incident which is a shake up to the hero's normal life and so you identify with this guy, the inciting incident, that's the beginnings of a problem, or that's when the hero becomes aware that things are getting a little weird from his normal comfort zone. So you get an inciting incident. The hero, it kind of disrupts the hero's life. And so he's kind of he's kind of confronting this problem for a little while. And then, so usually what marks the act break between act one and act two is a call to action. So you got the history, you got the hero in his normal life. You got an incident where his normal life gets disrupted. And then he's got a choice. He has, he's presented with a call to action. <clears throat> so he has to decide what to do with this problem. Is he going to, is he going to do something about like, what is he going to do with it? How is it going to, you know, and a lot of times you'll get a refusal from the hero, like I don't want any part of this. Um, but then a lot of times he'll come back, you know, um, 
he'll he'll reevaluate that it, okay this is a problem that i need to i need to do something about and so that becomes the middle so you got the hero his normal life is disrupted he's got a problem he he gets a call to action and so now he's he's neck deep in this problem that disrupted his normal life and this middle section a lot of times it's referred to as the fun and games um it might not it might not be fun in games for the hero but while he's going through it because there's a lot of peril and danger and uncertainty so for him it's an adventure fun and games he's dealing with his problem there's evil forces and so but for the audience it's it's riveting it's fascinating because they want to see how the hero deals with it and so these fun and games they kind of uh, like if you have a music track, that'll build up in intensity. Oops. <laughs> the, uh, so these problems, you get you get some small problems, then the problems they grow bigger, like a sine wave, bigger and bigger, and then so usually what mark marks the act break between Act Two and Act Three is uh, a climax, or so the problems have gotten so big that. There's got to be a resolution to them. They they can't get any bigger. Like there's the there's just a there's there's got to be a resolution. And so that's usually what happens at the end. So the hero he's confronted with the problem, tries sometimes tries to deny it. Finally takes the call to action, deals with it. It gets worse and worse and worse and worse. And then and then this is kind of more, I guess what it is is it's what I was talking about. You, the, so the hero is going to, he's going to be changed by this interaction, the, the, these, the fun and games. So this changes him, how, how he deals with the problem. And, it, so it's, and it's not just an intellectual understanding or logical, rational understanding. The hero is also going to come to a different emotional understanding or intuitive understanding that you know what maybe maybe he maybe he knew all along that you know um or you know so so yeah and that and that'll make for a satisfying drama is emotional is an emotional uh, understanding but also you know an intellectual under understanding okay so <clears throat> That's kind of how the mechanics of drama work. Um, very, very, very simplified. Um, and so, um, yeah. The, and so I, and so the reason I bring that stuff up is, like I said, it's not just. This is not Hollywood. This is not just Hollywood. You've got this same dramatic structure playing out in um, religions and. Um, politics and just our you know our everyday life so just if you can some sometimes kind of realize that uh this stuff is going on it it um and it's gonna come up again like i said i brought i this is something i had brought up over the last couple episodes and it's something that's gonna come up again um because i was gonna get into I was going to apply a lot of this stuff to um, marketing and propaganda and, um, you know, mysteries and how and how people 
how people get you to listen to their story, how advertisers get you to listen to their story, how how um, government propaganda gets you to listen. You know the um, um, so it's very it's a very it's gonna come up again. So okay, let me get let me get back to uh, aliens before this this appears to get way off track. But it's before okay this is one last thing about emotions and and intellectual understanding so this is this is um this is seth again jane roberts and seth and this is this is kind of this stands out to me because seth is seth is normally got a, he's very even um his energy is very uplifting and positive and constructive and um, usually very measured in his approach and this is one of the only times he, he gets a little fire and brimstone and what he's so in this so this is from someone had asked me on the internet um, like what what what's my what do I absolutely need to know about consciousness? What's the lowdown? And I think Seth kind of nails it on the head. And he and he's saying he's saying we've taken we've taken ego understanding, um, the reasoning intellect. We've taken it as far as it can go. And what ha what needs to happen is there has to be an acceptance of the whole of the of the intuitive knowledge the um the emotional so we, let me go ahead and read this for the the people who are just listening um so this is from the unknown reality volume one page 113 i think the on the unknown reality this is i think it's the third or the fourth or the fifth book that was published there's a lot of there's a lot of um, early sessions of Seth that aren't published. That I'm I'm actually I'm actually uh, thinking about maybe putting up putting up a um, a Kickstarter so I can go so I can go look through some of those some of the unpublished stuff. So the Seth a lot of, I guess all of the Seth unpublished Seth material it's sitting in the Yale Library. Um, there's like 500 boxes worth of stuff, I think. Um, the early sessions have been published, but there's also a lot of unpublished stuff. But anyways, so this quote from The Unknown Reality, Volume 1, page 113, what Seth says is, Man's unconscious knowledge is becoming more and more consciously apparent. Ego consciousness must now be familiarized with its roots or else, or it will turn into something else. This will be done under and with the direction of an enlightened and expanding egotistical awareness that can organize the hitherto neglected knowledge, or it will be done at the expense of the reasoning intellect, leading to a rebirth of superstition, chaos, and the unnecessary war between reason and intuitive knowledge. When at this point now of mankind's development, his emerging unconscious knowledge is denied by his institutions, then it will rise up despite those institutions and annihilate them. Cult after cult will emerge, 
each unrestrained by the use of reason because reason will deny the existence of rampant unconscious knowledge disorganized and feeling its own ancient force this doesn't sound good folks um and, and it's easy to see why he because he's saying there's rampant unconscious knowledge it's out there but the reasoning intellect is just denying it he's saying he uses this word over and over deny uh so okay um so so that relates to the the drama we were just talking about there's an emotional understanding intuitive knowledge it's got to be recognized and all right so let's get to let's get back to the aliens <laughs> um well okay before the aliens um oops, just add, this is um for a church this is a real interesting story if if uh, and it relates to this okay so now we're getting to the aliens so this relates to the symbolism i was telling about in the last story i had with the angel on one eye and the demon on the other howard stern has a really interesting story to tell about meeting the devil out in the desert of i think i want to say arizona but it's 28 minutes long you can find that on youtube howard stern meets the devil um so if you want you can check that out and then so um hang on i i need to hang on okay one more thing i wanted to point out about um drama and movies and emotions is this movie is real good because it kind of takes that structure and uh throws it out the sink or throw it or gets really creative with it so this this is a good this is a good really good movie and it's also funny if you talk about synchronicities because in this movie they get into what we we're talking about i had said hubbard's son had a suspicious death with um diabetes complications and so that's one of the plot the uh, plot points in this movie is um, this guy's wife was murdered uh, with um, insulin diabetes medication. So, um, yeah, I just I thought I'd bring that up because um, it's a good movie. And, um, yeah, I'm, anyways, so... Um, Back to the aliens, though. And so I want, yeah, I want to get into some of the symbolism of, um, I lost my campfire. Hang on. Okay. One, one more thing, because I had, I was just bringing up movies. There is another movie, um, that I'm going to talk about later on after um uh one one of my one of my other telepathic stories so i want to talk about that movie later but for now yeah for now i want to get more into the symbolism 
of of that first story not just the not just the angels and demons but um all of it like i was i was talking about with the um the lightning bolt and then the the ripping out of the body and the reptilian stuff so i want to take a little closer look at that symbolism and um well, I think the first thing the first thing to point out with that stuff, like I brought up in the in the in the last episode, at the time I was taking a lot of that stuff uh, emotion or personally, like emotionally. I ha- at the time I had an emotional understanding of it, and like I was just talking about um, uh, how there's there's the, they're in the intellectual the reason and intellect isn't the only way to understand the world so um so when this stuff when this stuff this story was happening yeah i took a lot of it a lot of it personally that was really the only that was really the only way i had at the time to analyze it was was just an emotional understanding because i hadn't read um you know a lot of books on aliens or ufos or spirituality or magic or the occult like i really didn't know anything i didn't really know anything intellectually at the time all i had was my emotional understanding so um so yeah i had mentioned how i thought that the um the um i guess i'll work backwards here a little bit so the angels and demons that they 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 put on my eye um i was i was very that kind of upset me (laughs) because nobody likes to see themselves as the villain or as bad you know i've never i've never really looked at myself as having you know any bad um and you know for and so that kind of upset me when when i when they telepathically projected this message that possibly half of half of me was there was something wrong with it so that kind of upset me and so i didn't accept that um i i got the message and so i i yeah personally i i i i didn't believe that so i was looking for a a more intellectual uh explanation for that and so like i had kind of how i mentioned with um shape-shifting into the the reptile or the serpent or the snake i had i had brought up the possibility that they they had taken um they had taken a look or they had gotten some information with the beam and then they were giving me stuff and maybe they had looked into my future and they had seen how i was going to start this fire snake project and so they were they were kind of showing me you know my future a little bit so i'm and i'm wondering that with the angels and demons i'm you know i'm sure they could have projected that symbolism into my mind and i think it's interesting that it was projected onto my eyes um you know with my eyes being one of the one of the um significant events in my life the healing of them so they where they put the symbol i think is is important or significant they put it on my eyes and um 
and what that symbol's implying is is a um you know is two separate is a separateness there's you know a good and a bad and an evil and so you know they it could if you know if you don't take that personally they could be talking about you know the universe as a whole or humanity as a whole how there's good and bad parts to it or even you know they could be it could be an um a reference to how our consciousness seems to be seems to be getting ready to split or um you know produce some kind of um offspring a, a new a new type of uh, of consciousness so maybe they were referring to that you know and a lot because a lot of times parents are you know um they'll have a child and then they'll wonder you know um they'll see a lot of they might look at that as a demon or see a lot of bad things maybe not just a not 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 just a physical actual child but you know people talk about their inventions as children or authors talk about their books as children their creative their creative products a lot of a lot of artists look at those as children and a lot of times those children can take on a life of their own that the that the creator never intended and um and so um i guess it's so that that's one i think that's an interesting way to look at it another interesting way with the angels and demons you know you also have um there's a book there's even a book by um dan brown the author of the da vinci code he's got a book called angels and demons so it's also possible that that symbolism could have been referring to um i guess if you look at it in religious um relig as far as religion so we've you know we've had um we've kind of had one you know a couple big religions for the past few thousand years and so maybe there maybe that could be um an allusion to um you know uh, one of our you know a new religion springing up or an old religion falling and a new religion um gaining momentum so obviously that old religion is going to look at the new religion as you know demonic and so you know you could look at it from that angle i actually i think i think the plot line of this book is pretty interesting because you have um you have uh where's the summary of this um So the one of the one of the plot one of the plot lines is you have here it is um, Langdon's worst fears. When a messenger of the Illuminati announces they have hidden an unstoppable time bomb at the very heart of Vatican City. Now, this is 
this will probably get cl too close to conspiracy for some but um this symbolism unstoppable time bomb at the very heart of vatican city you know i think it's interesting what happens a lot of times i think a lot of authors creative people tune into stuff and there's um they might put stuff in their work that actually ends up being prophetic in nature um because in the um oops in the conversations with nostradamus um Nostradamus that um, I keep bringing up one of the one of the stories or one of the quatrains well a lot of the quatrains deal with what he talks about the Antichrist and the World War 3 but the, de the details of that is he and he talks about the downfall of the Catholic Church, how there's only going to be a couple more popes. But um, how he describes the downfall of the Catholic Church playing out is through, is through uh, espionage. Through He's saying that Antichrist is going to... The Antichrist is going to have... Um, He's going to actually have um, an agent inside the Vatican. And I think he might even say that this um, this agent will eventually become Pope. So if you look at that that agent of the Antichrist infiltrating the, um, the, the Vatican, that's kind of an unstoppable time bomb. So you've got that symbolism. And then, um, you've got, well, that's a whole, that's an interesting concept about authors using, um, using, um, magic. I'll get back to that. Um, but I think if you're looking, um, if you're looking along those lines, uh, Jack London um, and Star Rover, <clears throat> he talks about, that whole book is about astral projection. Um, the hero of that story, he's in prison, they put him in a straitjacket. And he learns how to um, how to astral project out out of the out of the straitjacket, and so that whole book is stories of him astral projecting to past lives, uh, past reincarnational lives, and so it's it's interesting. There's a lot of you got to wonder how a lot of these authors come up with some of the details they do in some of their books. Um, one of the other um, uh, pillars, yeah, Ken Follett, Pillars of the Earth. This is another good one where I have, um, I'm wondering if 
he gets a lot of the details. 12th century tale, building of a mighty Gothic cathedral. You know, where did he, how did he get such, um, such details of uh, the 12th century? And was he, was he tuning into either intentionally or unconsciously into a past life that he had lived? Um, and then in pop culture, you also have, I think one of the, one of the funny things, um, going around the, the internet, um, is, yeah, you got, I think, is this it? Yeah. The Simpsons had a, if you look at this. This image, it kind of, there's some, so I think that stuff happens a, a lot more than people, um, people know about because I don't think they're looking for it. So, th yeah, that's some of the angels and demons symbolism. Those are some interesting angles, I think, to look at that. Um, and... Then the um I guess moving backwards, the lightning bolt. Um like I said, I initially thought maybe that could have been a warning. They were angry. Uh, maybe I had thought uh, well I thought at first they were angry they couldn't tear my soul out, so they hit me with a lightning bolt. And then I also was thinking not only were they angry, but it was a warning to the future. Don't talk about this. These were like emotional understandings or emotional reactions. And, um, but you know, it could have been, it could have been the heart symbolism. The, you know, it went through, went through my heart. I mean, that's where it felt like the epicenter was. So, you know, are they, you know, were they getting at something with, um, we have a, you know, Humanity's got some heartbreaking um, events um, we're going to have to deal with that are really going to stagger us as a species. Um, you know, maybe set us back or really get us to reevaluate. Um, and um, so that's one of the, you know, it, that could also be a future symbol. Like I said, it could all, it could have been emotional understanding at the time, but it could also... And if you want to look at it intellectually, it could be it could be something in the future to to um, take uh, take into mind. And then moving backwards again, there's the, there was the so the soul ripping out, and you know per at the time personally, I you know it was I wasn't sure what to make of that. It was it was um. Obviously, it was unpleasant, and so one of the things I'm wondering is, well, anytime you move, anytime you start to look at something differently or the paradigm shifts, you move into a, a paradigm shift where you look at things differently. That can be un uncomfortable because you're kind of you're letting you're letting go of things that were more familiar, and so there's. There's a little bit of pain involved in, um, in a move to a different viewpoint or a different um, outlook. And 
the symbolism there too. So they were really concentrating on the soul. They were ripping that out. So may so what what so if we are moving into a paradigm that might be a little painful, what is that paradigm going to entail? Is it gonna is it gonna um is that new paradigm gonna include a you know a more recognition of the spirit? Because you know that was what was happening in my little encounter. I was getting, I was, I, I was getting my my soul ripped out. It felt like so, you know, I was having to pay. That was something I was gonna, I was having to pay attention to. So maybe that's, that's what this new paradigm is gonna bring. Like I was talking about with that Seth quote, this this rampant unconscious knowledge, this spiritual knowledge. It's gonna, it's gonna be something we're just gonna, we're gonna have to figure out figure out the significance of it and um and i think so moving back again in that story with the with the reptilian symbols and before that that could that could also apply to this primitive unconscious um knowledge these aspects of ourselves. You know, people talk about reptilian as the primitive part of ourselves or the primitive brain. So maybe, maybe that's more symbolism um, of the future of what of what we're gonna encounter or have to contend with this primitive, unconscious, spiritual um, um, issues or um, realities. Um, So th there's a bunch more I want to say about that stuff, but uh, I think I'm gonna go ahead and move into this into the other stories, and then and then kind of call back to that stuff when it comes up. So the second story of that month. Okay, give me give me one second. Okay, so I want to get into the telling the the strictly telepathic story that happened a couple weeks later after the um the big dramatic story that i've been telling and analyzing a little bit so um before i get into the telepathic story though i do um i do want to bring up a few things about telepathy like i did in the first couple episode or first couple parts of this series you know, I had brought up, I brought up examples of other, of other um, stories or people who have reported, you know, um, classical uh, char characteristic textbook alien stuff like beams into the head or um, shutting down a willpower or missing time or screen memories those are those are reported a lot with aliens but telepathy is another one of the big things that gets reported alongside aliens a lot um so i you know i i did say i had some something some messages that i don't know where they came from and those were those are different than the than the alien telepathy i'm separating them right now like I said, that whole month I was getting, it's just like weird stuff, and I I haven't fully sorted it out yet. Um, you know, like some of the, some of the 
whack like one of the messages it was just like a booming voice out of the heavens or something and it was like and it was real it sounded like almost biblical like 40, 40 years or 40 days or for you know something like that and <clears throat> the reason why i'm the reason why i'm separating that from the strictly from the alien i'm calling the alien telepathy is because the alien telepathy it did have a lot of the the uh, features that people describe in telepathy telepathy with aliens like a very a, almost a robotic like voice almost machine like um i don't want to say like metallic but like like almost like distant very cool there you know there was some emotion there but yeah almost uh computer like just um but not you know not like this weird mess you know booming voice from the heavens about 40 days of 40 years of um that though i think is interesting though that message because a lot of times um you will get um you will get weird stuff with it. what um what i'm thinking with that 40 i'm thinking i'm coming up on my 40th birthday uh, here in a few months and it's interesting that um a lot of these stories happened a few years or several years back and um again you i'm wondering if they were somehow seen in the future or even controlling the future because people talk about um Dolores Cannon um, touches on this in some of her alien books, like the Custodians or Keepers of the Garden. She talks about because she re she uh, aud she recorded all her hypnosis sessions with audio, and she and when she was working with the alien stuff, she w she said she was having problems with sometimes with her tape recordings. Um, you know, tapes would disappear for like years or something and then they would show back up and she was she was thinking that um you know they were kind of rationing out or controlling when when um some of this information was going to be available to the public so yeah that's what i'm wondering with with my experiences is that um whoever it was kind of knew that i wouldn't be able to talk about this stuff for a few years yet i think um yuri geller had similar problems to to um dolores cannon with um tape uh oops, um tapes tape recording of stuff getting getting erased or getting misplaced or showing back up again this um that was when um he was doing a lot of work or research with um, Andrea. Uh, I don't. I don't. I don't. I'm not even gonna try to say his last name, but um, let me see. Is no, not that. Um. Hmm. The um probably remote viewing. Yeah. Yeah. This so. Uh, and and 
Andriha Pooerich. I butchered that. Um, but anyways, they were having similar problems where things would um, disappear and come back. <laughs> as far as the telepathy, though, um, like I said, that's something that gets reported with aliens um, pretty regularly. You've got... Um, so with... The men in black phenomenon. That's one of the that's one of the big things that gets reported. Telepathic powers. Um, it says the most disturbing aspect was that the men in black appeared to know intimate family details without there being any logical explanation of how they had come by this knowledge. Um, so men in black are are using telepathy. Um, and this is not necessarily aliens, but um, Edgar Mitchell did experiments with telepathy, uh, telepathy from the moon. So when Apollo 14, he, um, he did... Um, so he was on the moon, but he was trying to telep uh, telepathically communicate back to Earth. And um, they got some pretty pr some pretty good results from that. He, yeah, um, he had some stories about Yuri Gell. Yeah, this is some interesting stuff. So Dr. Mitchell, um, you can look at uh, his telepathy experiments. Um, yeah, Dr. Uh, uh, Puerich, he also was doing, um, he did a lot of telepathy experiments with, uh, mushrooms. Um, you can read about some of those in, um, oops, in, um, I think it's a sacred, sacred mushroom. Um, yeah, this one. And so another, another good book that gets into telepathy is this, this one, Psychic Warfare, Threat or Illusion. And this, so this book talks about a lot of the Russian exper experiments with telepathy. Well, it talks about, it gives a nice overview of, of all the countries, United States, Russia, um, this book also talks about um, those Edgar Mitchell experiments. Um, so this isn't necessarily aliens, but it's there. It's talking about telepathy. Um, all these people, but it, uh, telepathy is associated with aliens a lot. <clears throat> and um, um, yeah, you've got so yeah, going back. I guess most recently you've got this is um this is Dr. Stephen Greer who I brought up in the last episode who was um who was working with the idea that some of these alien abductions might be false flag um staged by the government but as far as 
um, Dr. Greer and aliens and telepathy, what he what he does currently is he does um, contact expeditions. So this is CE five. Um, see, uh, close encounters, close encounters of the fifth kind. So, um, you guys might be familiar with the movie Close Encounters of the Third Time of the Third Kind. So this fifth kind just means that you're the one that goes looking for it. Like you're not waiting for the ETs to come to you. You're going out on expeditions trying to contact them. <laughs> And I haven't <clears throat> I haven't been on an expedition personally, but one of the major um, from what I understand, one of the the major tools they use they use to get um, a manifestation from the UFOs or the aliens is is um, telepathy, broadcasting broadcasting intentions of um, a group of people, uh, thought thought specifically consciousness the primary mode of initiating contact um and so dr stephen greer is using telepathy as a tool um and so that's going on right now uh a little while back you had um a very interesting uh, individual Ted Owens who um, who claimed to be in contact with space people and then he Ted Owens was he also wrote a couple books telling people how they could contact them on his own and he he was doing he was using the same technique that Dr. Greer was using and the CE5 initiative is to is, is telepathy uh, he claimed he was in telepathic contact um yeah this is a good book this this one um the pk man that's all about that's all about ted owens and he's interesting not just um his um um not just his alien encounters but um he um so PK that's um psychokinesis which I'm I am gonna address in um a um a future episode but um huh um so um he also thought he was the reincarnation of Moses. So with this one person, Ted Owens, you've got uh, aliens and telepathic communication. You've got psychokinesis. And then you've also got the religious angle with Moses. So that's a really interesting um, story. Um, so... That was, I think, yeah, that was about 50 years ago. So currently, currently you have um, Dr. Greer and the CE5. 50 years ago, you had Ted Owens. He was also taking people out um, on expeditions um, to contact uh, aliens. And then if you go back even further, 
So this is where history moves in, in spirals. Um, so you had Dr. Greer, Ted Owens, and then Aleister Crowley. Um, I guess 50 years before Ted Owens, 19, early 20th century, he was, he was contacting, um, aliens. Lamb was the name of, uh, the alien that Crowley talked with telepathically. And, um, there's a lot of, um, stories or theories or explanations that have have popped up around around Aleister Crowley and the aliens about uh how um you know Babylon working and they they think um a portal was enlarged cuz you had uh Hubbard and Parsons and like I said I might get into that whole thing in uh in another episode but so yeah um one of the um so yeah so okay <laughs> um yeah you know what i think i'm gonna i think i'm gonna um i think i'm gonna be a little bit reckless because <laughs> uh how i uh um because there's also telepathy involved with Bigfoot. <laughs> um yeah, people, you know, so uh, people are probably thinking, yeah, I'm being reckless because a lot of people won't even accept aliens. So if you start talking about Bigfoot, there's um it's um now yeah, that's well, that's uh, like double double secret uh recklessness so but this is an interesting um this is uh bigfoot or bigfoot field reach researchers organization and um this talks about uh, a telepathic encounter in 1976 in pennsylvania you really uh, yeah you sh you should read this story it's it's really interesting but basically this guy, he was, he was with his friends skipping school, and they went to a, um, they went to go hunt some squirrels with a um, crossbow or a, something like that, and yeah, telepathically, he says, um, yeah, he says. He describes the Bigfoot, um, but then it telepathically talked to him and said, "If you hurt me, I'm gonna, I'm gonna kill you both, him and his friend." Um, I think this is this is this is important though about what he was eating. He said something about, hmm, yeah, chewing a piece of tree, chewing it like it was. Um, how you see uh, cows chewing cud, um, and um, but um, this is not the only time that Bigfoot and telepathy actually. Seth, um, 
Seth talks about Bigfoot. He doesn't say um, telepathy specifically. Here's what he says about Bigfoot. This is Seth. This is, I think, one of the later books. It might even be one of the last last books. This is um, The Way Towards Health, page page 22 to 24. Um, and so um, J- Jane had actually been, she had seen a TV show or she had been reading about Bigfoot. So Seth, so when Seth came through, he started, he, um, the reason he started talking about Bigfoot is because she was interested in it. And here, and so what he says is that um, there are many, many species man has not discovered in all the categories of life, insects onward. There are multi, multitudinous species of viruses and so forth that man has not encountered and recognized. This is, I'm coming, I'm going to have to come back to this statement for sure. Because um, Seth does talk about viruses a lot, and he even says there's there's some invisible viruses that we're not quite aware of yet, and they might even have something to do with um, our evolution and our DNA. But um, so he's saying there's viruses we haven't um, recognized, has not encountered and recognized. And there are connections between viruses and um, species of living matter that remain unknown. There are indeed two type. There are indeed two different kinds of upward walking mammals, much like your own species, but much larger, and with infinitely keener senses. That sounds like better psychic powers. Telepathy. He doesn't specifically say telepathy, but infinitely keener senses sure sounds like telepathy so they're much larger amazingly swift through scent alone they're aware of the presence of man at least several miles away vegetable matter is their main diet i was just talking about with this guy said he was chewing on a piece of tree um and so, well, here's, there is a discrepancy though, because Seth is saying, Seth is saying these creatures can tell when a man is around the area just from their scent. He's saying they don't even, what is he, he says through scent alone, even though they have these infinitely keener senses. Um, but in this story, I think this guy says that the property he 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 had this Bigfoot encounter on it's in the middle of Levittown the property about a mile square each way so so it makes you wonder if why this um Bigfoot Um, how they were able to get so close, and you know what could this encounter have been? Um, have been staged, like I mentioned earlier, how aliens kind of um hold back material, like I said with the forty year stuff. Um, so maybe the 
maybe who knows uh so that was um yeah that so you got telepathy with bigfoots um and um yeah i think um now i'm not sure um well i did want to go back to um because i had mentioned how um saturday night live had <clears throat> made fun of um the anal probing situation in the communion story so saturday night live had kind of um turned that anal probing into a pop, pop culture meme or joke and um if you remember back saturday night live dan Aykroyd. They did a lot of um, skits with aliens. If you remember the Coneheads, where they they drink beer and eat potato chips. Um, but um, Dan Aykroyd, he had an encounter with Men in Black, and I don't know which which show it talks about. Um, He's actually he's got a bunch of great stories, especially from growing up. I think, I think his grandfather, um, his family, they used to hold like seances, trying trying to contact spirits and stuff. But I think his Men in Black encounter, I think that came about because he was wanting to do a TV series dealing with paranormal, um, UFO stuff like that. And um, I think when he was making that TV series, he had he had a Men in Black encounter with a some type of dark Cadillac that that just um, he saw it and then it, it turned a corner and disappeared or something. I don't think there was any telepathy there, but I want you know I wanted to bring that stuff up because I had mentioned with um, the Saturday Night Live connection, but. Um, yeah, obviously he's also has the the crystal skull vodka, which is you've got um the crystal skulls are a real interesting um thing to look into. So my story about the uh, aliens and telepathy though. Um hang on, let me let me get something to drink. Oh yeah, actually there's a few more things I wanted to run through real quick here. Actually um these three things so um i think i think a lot of people know this but tesla tesla claimed he was getting messages from space that um i i i'm not i the i don't remember the details exactly but you can there's a ton of stuff written about that he thought um they might have been, I think, Mars, but he was receiving them through his electronics. I think I don't, I don't think that, I don't think they came like mentally. Like he thought, think that he thought there was a message in what his um, his electronic equipment was picking up. Um, I think he also had like a pretty, a pretty. Um, um, he had a mystical side too like Einstein did. So you can read into that. Um, 
and then talking about sci- scientific people who scientists who have um, had uh, interesting encounters. So Tesla was thinking from outer space. Descartes, who um, I guess a lot of people consider uh, like the founder of founder of modern science. So in in um, I'm not sure what year it was. Um, so, but anyways, Descartes had a dream, and in his dream, an angel appeared to him. And the angel said, the conquest of nature is to be achieved through measure and number. And that revelation lay the basis for modern science. So, that's interesting that modern science is based on a dream. A dream with an angel. Like I, like we brought up altered states and... Um, angel. So, um, uh, <clears throat> you know, a lot of scientists have had um, visions come to them like that. I think the, I think the, the scientists who found uh, the structure of benzene ring, the um, uh, yeah, that was a dream too. Oops. Um, so yeah, he said, yeah, after he had discovered the ring shape of the benzene molecule molecule after having a reverie or daydream of a snake seizing its own tail. This is an ancient symbol known as the Ouroboros. Oops. So, I think these these are some stories people already know about. Maybe they don't, so I'm just bringing them up because um, I think they're pretty interesting. Um, so that's the the snake eating its own tail, the oral oral. So, um, so that was yeah. You had Descartes, uh, Tesla, um, and then even uh, Joseph Smith, who founded the Mormon religion. That was also an angel. An angel came to him and um, I'm not sure exactly how the story goes. Here it is. He, uh, one night he was visited by an angel named Moroni who revealed the location of the book. So it, but this story, I think, is interesting because you know who else talks about that Joseph Smith story is uh, one of my favorite books, The Conversations with Nostradamus, Dolores Cannon. Um, yeah, so this is Joseph Smith. Um, this is volume one of that trilogy. And the, uh, I'm not sure the chapter Oh, okay, the great genius. So this is Quatrain 714. And so he brings, what does they say? He might have been speaking of, um, 
So he says this minor event, this quatrain refers to, is an event that has already taken place. In the early 19th century, there was a man who came into possession of some Egyptian documents of ancient times that were discovered in some tombs. And this man had a trace of psychic ability. Through this, he gave an interpretation of these documents that was partially correct and partially incorrect. Okay, so here, history moves in spirals. I said that earlier in the episode, but he just says, came into possession of some Egyptian documents of ancient times. I don't know. Um, so, um, yes, so, <clears throat> yeah, this episode is getting a little long. Um, so my story, uh, or the telepathic incident. So what happened with that was, so that strange month was going on and it was, I'm pretty sure it was Sunday morning because I was watching some golf on TV. So it was probably either thinking Saturday, Sunday morning, cause they don't t usually televise, uh, Thursday and Friday mornings. So I was watching TV and messing around on the computer and um, I just, I, you know, um, I think I might have been doing, yeah, I was doing some, um, some, uh, I don't know what to call it. Uh, <laughs> Autom it was a kind of a mix between automatic writing and um, tarot or different. Anyways, um, so this voice came through in my head, and like I said, it was it sounded very robotic, almost very like a like a metallic-y, machiney, but um. And so what it said was, I think the first thing it said was sexy times. Like, um, like Borat has that um, saying, sexy times. And uh, so I was a little confused by that. Um, you know, I the way the way the way he was speaking at the time, I almost thought it was a question. Like I mentioned, how a lot of people when they encounter the aliens, they, they the aliens ask them what time it is. So I thought he was, I thought he was asking me about sexy times. Like I thought he wanted me to explain like human sexy time, <laughs> like um, like when people when they when they get asked what time it is they usually give the an answer to the alien like 2:30 or three. like that time would make any sense to the alien like my explanation of of uh sexy time would make any sense i so so yeah i wasn't quite sure he said so he said sexy times and then he said doggy style so then that that's when i kind of was like now i'm now i'm really confused does he he wants to know specifically about sec doggy style sexy times 
uh, and wh- why we why why we do it that position? I like so. Um, <laughs> so I actually did try to explain, um, and I think I used as a um, as an explanation. I don't even know if it's I don't even know if it's right because I've been reevaluating a lot of stuff um, recently. But this was a book I had read. I think. <laughs> Back in college, called the Naked Ape. Uh, yeah, and in this book, one of the ideas in this book, I think, yeah, the controversial classic. So I don't know if if these ideas are accepted, but I think one of the ideas was, as far as our our evolution, um. So if we went from like hunched over on all fours to walking to to upright um so I think in apes they one of the theories is that their their behind like their rear end is like a visual signal like a like a for sex um like the the behind and I think one of this guy's theories was that um that so when man went from four legs up to two legs um he also needed a visual signal a sexual signal on his chest like he had his behind from the rear you could see that sexual signal so then when he when he went from four to two legs he needed another visual signal here and that's why women develop breasts because he this author was comparing well why well why do apes not have very large breasts and so i think he said basically they grew a rear end on their ch- on their chest i you know i don't know i don't know if i totally agree i don't know if i agree with that and i'd have to go back and and evaluate it with the knowledge i have now but i like i said i read that in college and i believed I believed a lot of things differently back then. Um, but, you know, that was the only explanation I had for what I thought was a, a weird question from the alien. Um, so I proceeded to tell him about that book. <laughs> uh, and now it's, it's almost kind of embarrassing now that I think about it. If I think about, like, like I'm going to give that dude anything he doesn't already know. So it wasn't, I'm thinking it wasn't a question. He's not asking me anything, but I go ahead and I proceed to arrogantly um, <laughs> give, him, give him answers to stuff. And um, and so now, now, well, okay, now what I'm thinking is he was telling me something. He was giving me a message. And I think, I think he was being funny about it. Um, I think he was telling me I was being messed with. I, I was being I was being fucked with, right? Like, sexy people are fucking with you, right? Like, sexy times, sexy time, doggy style. Like, people are fucking with you. Um. I, well, I'm mean, just that's what I'm thinking now. Like, obviously, I could be wrong, and in another couple years, maybe there's another deeper meaning. Um. 
to that i'm sure i mean well i mean the symbolism of of sex i mean that's like our number one or one you know like yeah a lot of these symbols and that's i think that's going to be interesting to see how i'm thinking about this stuff in a couple years so so after i gave him that answer the next thing he said he was probably getting impatient because he did seem a little frustrated or angry at um that I didn't, that I, so, the, so the next thing he said was only prime numbers, and so after I had given this long, long response about human <laughs> sexual behavior, he said only prime numbers, and I, you know, I, I had no clue what to make of that either, just like with the confusing sexy time doggy style, and so, so I, I, I guess well, only prime numbers. Um, maybe I should just start typing numbers and I like, and he'll tell me want to stop on the right number like a Ouija board. I I had no idea. Um, so I started typing numbers and yeah, he got angry at that. <laughs> um, and um. So, not angry, but I think like impatient. Like this, like this guy has no clue what I'm trying to tell him. Um, but I so now okay, and with the symbolism of that, like okay, now that I've thought about that some more, I'm I'm thinking, I'm thinking that might be another message about. Um, I think some like so only prime numbers and one of the th one of the things about nature is that um like there's no like, there's no two things that are identical everything is unique like you have snowflakes they say you, you know no two snowflakes are alike so everything in nature is unique and different and it is interesting that um Yeah. So yeah, there's some deep. I think there's some deep symbolism there, um, and you know, um, I'm just try I'm just trying to understand that. Just starting to try to understand. Who knows? I could be way off track, like I was a couple years ago. So that's what he said. That was that. W and um, so that was that was that story. Yeah. And um. Um. Oh, okay. There is, yeah. That's what I brought up earlier. The that movie, Pie, Pie, the movie. Um. And one of the interesting things they talk about in this movie. This is a really good movie, by the way. Nineteen ninety-eight. So. This is about a paranoid mathematician searches for a key number that will unlock the universal patterns found in nature. And one of the one of the memorable quotes um, here it is. No. 
yeah. So Maximilian Cohen to Rabbi Cohen and a group of Kabbalists. He's been searching for this. Yeah, what did I say? He's a paranoid. Oops. A paranoid mathematician searches for a key number that will unlock the universal powers found in nature. So after he's this is towards the end of the movie. I don't think this is spoiling anything, but so so he says to the rabbi and the group of Kabbalists, it's just a it's just a number. I'm sure you've written down every two hundred and sixteen digit number. You've translated all of them, you've intoned all of them, haven't you? What's it gotten you? The number is nothing. It's the meaning. It's the syntax. It's what's between the numbers. You haven't understood it. It's because it's not for you. I've got it. I've got it. And I understand it. And I'm going to see it, Rabbi. I was chosen. So maybe that's what the alien was getting at with the only prime numbers. It's not... You know, it's the it's the unique space. Um, but um, what's also interesting, when you take that statement into account, so this movie was 1998. Uh, one of the other... The, um, interesting movies that came out around the same time 1999 and you're talking about numbers and looking between the numbers that's what all these um right um yeah and there was a lot of 1999 was a good year for movies i think um i think fight club came out in in uh, 1999 too this is a really good year. Um, and that, you know, if you want to look into the mind, that's that's a good um, a good place. So, um, yeah. Okay, so that's, that was a telepathic story. And then I had said that there was an orb story. And so the story with the orb, this was this is no longer March. This was like uh, a year or two later. Um, so, but since but since that month month of March, it, there's still been strange stuff going on. It, it hasn't, you know, it's kind of relented from getting from uh, big dramatic shape-shifting events but um there's still a lot of strange stuff going on but you know obviously this has gotten really long already can't get uh, you know i will address a lot of it down the road so but the orb so about a year or two later some yeah some reason i got up i got to bed i got up around two or three because i couldn't sleep and i don't know why and this happens a lot with um alien stories is people people get like feel like they get summoned somewhere that like yeah like they were sitting in their house and they they feel an urge to go outside or go look in the woods or go do something and um a lot of times they, they say they don't know why they were doing that so yeah i didn't that's not something i do a lot 
is is go go for walks in the middle of the night but um was it's interesting too three o'clock around three o'clock i think is when this happened it might have been a little earlier it might have been more like two but three o'clock is they call that the witching hour um but so yeah for some reason i i got disturbed out of my sleep and i kind of knew that i wasn't gonna i don't know i guess i didn't i knew i wasn't gonna get back to sleep so i don't know if i i don't think i quite did it for exercise i think i don't know i just a walk sounded like a good idea and when i say it that way yeah it almost sounds like that was it might have been a very primitive attempt at at uh you know pushing a thought into someone's head like i think a walk would be a good idea who knows though that might have been my thought but so i went for a walk and i got near the the beginning of my neighborhood and yeah i who knows it doesn't make sense to be looking like over your shoulder not at that time of night but because no one's out but for some reason i looked over my shoulder and I would probably say, uh, you know, across the street, but in the backyard of of the across the street. So I don't know how many feet wide the typical street and lots are in my in my um, neighborhood. I'm guessing you know, I'm bad with yardage and stuff like that. So our feet, I I it's it would be very easy to go measure it right now. So I don't want to give an estimate that's way off, but you know it's wasn't more than a, a couple hundred. You know, I'm thinking of kicking a field goal, so 50 yards or less, um, maybe closer. But uh, yeah, it was uh, yeah it it kind of had been a little bit away because at first I thought it might have been like a the moon like because uh, it it was about the size of a basketball and up in the, um not mu- not much farther above the houses that's why it was so strange i'm like that's a strange place for the moon to be <laughs> that low in the sky and um but then it it, it went like directly down fast um so it was it was a it was a like a a, a whitish orb glowing like the moon would, about the size of um, I want to say basketball, but it's it's hard to estimate size if it was you know, f- forty fifty yards away, uh, but well that's well that's how, that's how I kind of rationalized it at the time. So there's this glowing thing and it went directly down. So in my mind, the first thing I didn't think was UFO. In my mind, I was my first thought was well that's strange that my neighbor would be throwing up throwing glowing basketballs in the air and then straight up in the air and then catching them on the way back down um it's entirely possible though that that's what he was doing um you know i can't say for sure all i know is it's it's not something i've ever seen before you know um and I did, but but I, you know, I didn't have any other strange effects from it. No, you know, no burning my skin or my eyes, or no no telepathy or no no noises or the, like the only thing strange, like I said, is I didn't normally go for a walk at that time of night. Um, so who knows? But like I said, also with how strange things, how they attract each other, and so 
maybe that's kind of what's been going on. You know, the strange things just keep attracting strange things. And this thing, this thing, um, he, 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 he might not have been paying attention. You know, maybe he saw, well, what, what are all these other strange things going on? Who knows? Anyway, so, but, you know, yeah, someone else who talks about that a lot is, um, is John Keel, I think. He's the, um, he's the one that investigated the Mothman and, um, a lot of the stranger phenomenon but he he reported a lot of strange stuff started happening to him when he started looking into that stuff like he he started having problems with his phones and he, like men in black type people so you know i haven't got any of that stuff but um like i said it has been building up but there's only so much I can fit into each of these episodes, and I think this is really long already. So, yeah, I think I covered most of the stuff I wanted to in the outline at the beginning. You know, I finished finished uh, talking about a lot of symbolism with the other stories. Um, random stuff popped up like it always does. I got to tell a couple new stories, not till the very end. Sorry about that. If you, that was the only thing you came for, um, and then I think we we just got a little bit into the um, the symbolism with um, prime numbers and um, human reproduction, and um, but there's also the yeah. I mean, you can get into the like circular orb energy, and I, you know, I am gonna get. I did get a little bit into the the crop circles. You know, you got more circular. I did. I talked about that in those um <clears throat> those blog posts. That that'll probably be, oops, the next trilogy. I said, but yeah, I need a little break from aliens because it's just it. It's been a lot of them, so yeah. There's some of the. I just so we'll get into that then. Yeah. All right. Um, I think that's it. Thanks for thanks for tuning in.